at you with a slightly different type of faint praise episode. If this is your first time giving us a try, I recommend going back and trying out one of the previous episodes. Maybe episode 10 is my personal favorite because this is not uh, what I would call an episode proper. It is something new I'm trying out because, as I mentioned in a previous one, uh, Eric and I are going through a little bit of a life change. We are going to do a cross-country move piecemeal. He's going out before I am, and then I will join him in a little while. And in the meantime, I'm not going to be able to keep up the weekly schedule of regular episodes. So I'm trying out a new format of what I'm going to call an FP Extra which is me probably talking about different types of movies that wouldn't normally be in our regular category of, you know, the two bad movies with the same theme and then comparing them to figure out which one is better. Uh, Instead, I'll probably be picking out movies that are currently in theater or movies that are just, quite frankly, too good to really be on a faint praise episode and maybe it's more of a high praise episode. So I'm still going to be trying to put something out every week. I would say an episode proper would be every other week. And then I'll fill in the bye weeks with one of these FP extras with me talking about a movie that I've seen recently. A little bit of a test. Let me know what you think about it. Either way, email address is faintpraisepodcast at gmail.com. Also, one thing I'm going to be working on while Eric is out west and I'm kind of stuck here in a waiting pattern, I am going to be trying to get us up on social media. So make a Facebook page, make a Twitter account, make a website, things like that. So we should be easier to interact with, get a hold of, just to get a little bit more active instead of just the episodes and just an email address, like I'm your aunt who doesn't know how to communicate with you in the modern age or something. So anyway, that was the announcement portion. And now I'm going to get into the test FP Extra, which is me talking about a movie we just saw in theaters called Dunkirk. I was very excited about this movie. I tend to like war movies and action movies and things like that. And I definitely, in the past, a little while ago, I had a good track record with Christopher Nolan movies. I love Memento. Batman Begins, I think is great. A lot of people are not so excited about it. Dark Knight, of course, is a classic. And I even, I really like Inception. I think it, to a lot of people, it hasn't necessarily aged well, but I like it a lot. Besides those four movies, though, I feel like recently uh, I I haven't enjoyed any of his stuff after that. And Dunkirk kind of made me realize I don't think I like Christopher Nolan anymore. Interstellar I found pretty boring and Dark Knight Rises even I found just okay watchable fine but not great especially not after the Dark Knight. And unfortunately to me Dunkirk follows in that in that fashion of Interstellar. It's not like Interstellar. I don't want to compare it to that. Interstellar is very long, you know, a sci-fi sort of thing. Dunkirk, for those of you who haven't seen the previews or don't know, I mean, Dunkirk is just retelling of a World War II episode. I wouldn't even call it a battle where about 400,000 British troops were stranded on the French shores after the Germans were on the verge of taking over France and the British had to figure out a way to come get them because it was the majority of their army. It was very early in World War II in 1940 before the U.S. even got involved. I didn't know anything about this battle before the movie. The movie, watching the movie actually made me go look up stuff about, I keep calling it a battle, but I really don't think it is, about this 
rescue mission. So there is no other story besides the rescue in the movie. It's just, it takes place over a week and the movie only has three settings. It has the beach, which is called the mole, which is where the soldiers are all waiting to be rescued. And that takes place over a week. And then it's got the sea, which is British ships coming to get the soldiers, which takes place over a day. And then it's got the air, which is uh, dogfights, the British Air Force fighting off some German planes that are bombing the um, soldiers on the mole. And there's there's nothing else. There's no other mini story in it. It's just kind of showing you things that are happening. So in these FP Extra episodes, I do plan on, even though I'm not comparing two different movies, I do plan on still keeping my little rating system where I've got the four different categories, acting, visual, structure, and entertainment, and I'm going to give point values in each one. I just, there's just going to be nothing else to compare it to, but I still like assigning my little point values. So nice little short summary. There's not really much else to talk about that happens as a summary in the movie, it's just, okay, look at this week in time and see how they rescued these guys. Also, there's no reason, there's no spoilers. We all know that they got rescued. I'll jump right into my rating section. So in acting, this was a, this was unsurprisingly a well-acted movie. Kenneth Branagh, Killian Murphy, other recognizable faces and some not recognizable faces. The main dude, the character doesn't even have a name. I think it's like, I think they named him Tommy, but nobody ever says it. He's this totally new actor. He's ne- I don't, he's nobody from nothing. I, I've been calling him Snaggletooth because his mouth is always open. He's got this one ugly tooth that looks like it's trying to escape back into his throat. So, so that's what I will call him, Snaggletooth. He did, he did fine. I mean, probably a lot of people are going to praise the acting in this movie, and it was good. But I feel like, I feel like it's an easier job for an actor to portray something in a really extreme circumstance like war. It doesn't take a great actor to make you feel what they're going through in this super extreme circumstance like they're fighting for their life and there's chaos and craziness happening around them, etc. I think really great acting happens in subtle situations or when you have to create a character from nothing. Uh, I always use Coen Brothers movies as an example. Even Even though those are not subtle situations, they're still not extreme circumstances. So something like The Big Lebowski where Jeff Bridges had to completely create that character, he couldn't just rely on what was going on around him to make that character. He had to create it. Same with... uh, John Goodman, Walter Sobchak, in Fargo, Frances McDormand with that fantastic job that she did. These were not crazy circumstances. They were just awesome actors doing awesome jobs with basically not a hell of a lot to work with. In something like Dunkirk, there's so much craziness going on. The situation is providing the drama, not the actors. So I'm not going to give this a crazy high acting score because the actors didn't really have to do much. In fact, there's almost no dialogue in this movie, so they barely even had to say anything. They just kind of had to look appropriately upset or scared or panicked or angry or something like that. So I am going to give it a four, which is higher than the normal acting score I give things because usually we're watching shitty movies and everybody's bad. 
so a four is still good, but I have a feeling this movie is going to get some token Oscar nods for the acting. It's certainly going to get some nominations for other aspects of the filmmaking, but I'm sure a couple of actors will squeak in there too. They're not going to win. I mean, I think ultimately the Academy will recognize that these actors didn't have to do as much as people in other movies. So yeah, I'm giving it a four. Everybody did a good job. They did fine. But no one no one stood out as amazing. And there was still some clunky, even as little dialogue as there was, some of it was still really clunky. And they couldn't necessarily make that work. The last line of the movie, I fucking hated. It was terrible. It was embarrassing. Uh, it was from Kenneth Branagh. And even he couldn't make it work. He tried. But there was nothing he could do with it. So... Yeah, score of four. And also I wanted to add Harry Styles is a somewhat main character in this. I've never seen him in anything else. I don't know if he's been in anything else, but I can't imagine he's actually a good actor. He did fine. Like I was saying, the situation provides all the drama and all these actors have to do is not fuck it up. I, I feel like, especially with him, I cannot imagine he's good, but even he seemed good in this movie. Maybe time will prove me wrong and he's going to maybe he has a great acting career ahead of him. I don't know. Uh, I'll I'll give him a chance, but in this one I'm like, okay, you picked this guy out of a boy band. You threw him in this. He covered him with oil and water and dirt and yeah, okay, he did fine. Great. I'll give him a four. So moving on to visuals. Visuals are all anybody is going to talk about in this movie because quite frankly, it's all that it has. Before the movie came out, I saw someone describe it as looking like it was just going to be a feature length version of the wave planet from Interstellar. That was honestly the only part of Interstellar I liked. So I thought maybe that would be a good thing. And I mean, Christopher Nolan definitely brings it with the visuals, but I can't give it, again, I can't give it that hugely high score that everybody else would give it if they cared about my scoring system, because this is a PG-13 movie, a war movie, PG-13, fuck off, get the fuck out of here. It just, it's kind of insulting, actually. Um, Everything is so sanitary. I don't mean that, I mean, it's, I can't call it clean. It's definitely visually dirty. There's sand and there's mud and there's water and smoke everywhere. So it's physically dirty. But when I say sanitary, I mean that there's no gore. And I don't even like gore. I'm not saying I want gore and I I don't need that in my movie. But in order for your war movie to have the impact that you want it to have on me emotionally, I've got to be afraid and I've got to see the consequences of that. And this movie completely scrubbed that away by being PG-13. Every dead body you see is perfectly intact, usually face down so that you're not having to actually worry about if it, you know who the person was. There's almost no blood. Uh, every once in a while you'll see someone with like a cut on their face or something like that. There was there was a scene really near the beginning and this is not spoilers because it's it's in the beginning. So it, it's involving the main character and you know he's going to make it at least through this scene because he's in the previews. Uh, there's a scene on the beach where they're showing that the German bombers are coming in and they're and they're bombing the British soldiers waiting on the beach. And you've got your main character standing in line next to some other people. And as the sirens start and they see the German bombers come up, everyone hits the everyone hits the sand. 
and just kind of waits to see who gets bombed. And you see some bombing happen in the background, and it starts to get closer to our main character laying on the ground. And this was a really good scene starting off because the bombing starts far away. It starts to get closer to your main character, like, holy shit, what's going to happen? And then finally, a bomb lands on the guy next to him. And the guy goes flying into the air, and, you know, that's your big payoff. It was fine, except you don't see the aftermath of this guy getting bombed. It hits him, he flies into the air, and he disappears. There's nothing. There's no body parts. There's not even a full body that comes down anywhere. There's not even a scrap of clothing, not even so much as a helmet that comes rolling toward our main guy. And that completely negated the entire scene for me because I'm like, all right, well, if you get bombed, then you just disappear and nobody has to deal with the consequences. And in war movies, for them to be effective, you've got to see it's the consequences that are effective. Yes, the situation is extreme and it's scary, but the consequences are the worst part. That's what really fucks people up afterwards is, you know, seeing the bodies of their friends and the, you know, the the pieces and then fearing that that's what's going to happen to me. If all that happened is a bomb fell on you and you disappeared, okay, well, yeah, that sucks, but it does not have the same terror that comes along with that same terror and dread that comes along with seeing what really happens after that again it's not that i'm asking for gore in my movie i actually don't prefer gore except when it comes to war scenes if you want them to mean something i need to see what's going to happen so yes these visuals they're impressive they're amazing they're big they go boom blah 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 but they are, they're too clean. They're too clean and it kind of ruins it for me. Also, they're repetitive. Over and over, you're following guys swimming to a ship and then the ship blows up. And then guys swimming to another ship and then that ship blows up. Or, you know, it's, it's things like that. Or getting somewhere and then they start getting shot at. And it really, this is not a long movie, but it feels long. It, this movie is less than two hours, which was a great decision and a surprising one, but they, they made the right choice. It felt very long because you're just watching the same thing happen over and over. And there's no dialogue in between. And since there's no dialogue, there are no real characters in between these scenes of devastation. And so they're, they're meaningless. They, they lack emotional weight since you have no characters and no dialogue. So I will give the visuals a four also. I recognize that they're technically impressive. Some of them do have impact, but for the most part, they're kind of wasted without having anyone to care about going on behind them. All right, so moving on to structure. Structure is gonna be the first bad score. I give it. And I'm hitting it with a low score. I'm hitting it with a with sort of a standard faint praise 1.5 because this movie has nothing going on. Behind the visuals and behind the acting, there is nothing else going on in this movie. Uh, they are completely hoping that you're just wowed by the visuals enough to not pay attention to anything else. This is a story that after after I watched the movie, I looked up a bunch of stuff and there was so much potential to mine the true events for all the drama that they could have put on screen. So these British soldiers, uh, they were partially rescued by British civilians just using their own personal boats to cross the English Channel and go to France and pick these guys up. 
They don't show any struggle on the side of the civilians of like making the decision or having to come to terms with putting themselves in danger or putting their possessions in danger or anything like that. The way the movie shows it is just kind of like all of a sudden some civilians show up and start crossing the English Channel and you as a viewer are like, oh, well, thanks for taking your weekend off to go help with the war effort. You don't see... You don't see any sacrifice. There is, he does attempt to, he being Christopher Nolan, does attempt to uh, put a little story element in there that does make you see the price that is paid by the civilians, but it's ham-fisted and embarrassing. And it stood out and it took me out of the movie. And if you, I'm not going to say what it is because it's a spoiler, but if you watch the movie, I have a feeling you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I just rolled my eyes in the theater at a moment that was supposed to be really devastating. And I was just like, oh my God, how ridiculous. So yeah, I, I, it's getting a one and a half for me because it failed in storytelling. It failed in dramatic effect. Part of the drama of the real situation in Dunkirk was that the soldiers had to wait on this beach, this mole, for about a week. Can you imagine what that would be like to wait there for a week, knowing that death, the Germans are coming, that death is on its way? Your country may be losing this war. It's 1940. They don't know that the U.S. is going to join. They don't know that this war is going to be won by the Allies. All they know is that they've been sitting here in this fucking line for a fucking week, and the Germans are coming, and nobody is coming to help them, and where is the Air Force, etc., etc. They don't show almost any drama related to that. No, Almost no interpersonal conflicts, nothing. It's just kind of like, okay, these guys are waiting on in a line. Sometimes they get bombed and the bodies disappear. There's a little bit of tension with the French also wanting to leave, but the British being more concerned with themselves. Uh, okay, whatever. Shrug. And then you got your main Snaggletooth is running around and he's only worried about himself. So you're not really that invested in this character because you don't know. He doesn't even have a name. All he has is a tooth. And you're just watching him run around. Okay, maybe he'll get off the beach. Maybe he won't. Whatever. And that's how it is with all of the characters. Even before I saw the movie, I kind of was like, this might not be as good as I want it to be uh, because, or I kind of, it was a little bit of foreshadowing because I saw Killian Murphy was in the previews and they put him in the previews because I'm sure they knew people like me would take that as a good sign and want to go see it. I love Killian Murphy. Eric was making fun of me when I said I wanted to go see this movie because he's like, you just want to go see it because Killian Murphy. And it was like, shut up. But when I looked up the actors and characters in the movie on IMDb, I saw most of them don't even have names. And I went, hmm, that's weird. You've got a major actor who you've put all over the trailers and he's credited as Shivering Soldier. He doesn't even have a name. And that's how it is. With all of these characters, they're non-characters. They make the Rogue One characters look fully fleshed out in real life. I mean, they're they're just nothing. They're just guys in a situation. One guy that we went and saw the movie with couldn't even tell them apart because they're all white dudes with brown hair and they're in the water. I didn't have trouble telling them apart. We were making fun of them. But I see how you could struggle with that. The Germans are a faceless threat. They're not shown at all. They don't even exist, except as the artillery that gets, that affects the British. Again, I've heard that as, I've heard that used as a strong point for this movie. Well, at least we didn't have to watch 
the Germans and, you know, in their war room, et cetera, et cetera. I could have used a little bit of that. This movie only has three locations. The three locations I set up at the front, the mole, the sea, and the air. And it even labels them in the movie. They show nothing outside of these. That means that you have no other information about what's going on. And that was a detriment. I would have liked to know what was going on. I would have liked to know why the Germans weren't on the beach. I would have liked to know why there were only a couple planes in the air. I would have liked to know the direness of the situation that the British were facing. And they tried to get that across with some Kenneth Branagh lines, but it, it fell very flat. And like I said, I had to look it up afterwards. And I said, man, this situation was so much more dramatic than what they showed on screen. All they showed on screen was the carnage. And by carnage, I don't mean physical, I don't mean human carnage. I mean non-organic carnage. They were way more concerned with showing what was happening to the boats and the ships and the planes and everything like that because it was PG-13, so they could mangle those as much as they wanted, but they couldn't mangle a body. So it totally totally falls flat. Oh, and that's not even to mention the audio in the movie, which is overbearing, overwhelming, and uncalled for. I'm sure I know why they did it. Oh, well, war is overbearing and overwhelming. So uh, listen to these gunshots and these loud planes and these booms. Everything go boom. It's upsetting. No, it's it makes it a miserable makes it a miserable experience to watch. We were practically holding our ears in the theater because it was too loud. And I guess Christopher Nolan would probably take that as a win for him. Yeah, I made them hold their ears. Imagine what it was like for the soldiers. Well, nothing else felt realistic, so why are you trying to make the sound realistic? And it wasn't just the war sounds that were too loud. The music was overbearing. It was that Inception brom kind of music. And it just, so it, it didn't feel realistic. You were just, it sounded like I was standing next to a speaker at a concert that was music I didn't care about. So way too much in the sound, no characters to speak of, no storytelling. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know any history behind this Dunkirk incident. Yeah, yeah, one and a half. So I think you could probably guess my entertainment value score, given all the things I've been saying. I'm complaining a lot about this movie. I, I didn't hate it. I am, I'm being a little bratty on this, mostly because everyone else is giving it so many accolades. I mean, this thing, this thing has over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Every critic is just, I don't know. I haven't read the reviews, but I imagine they're talking a lot about the visuals. Ooh, visually amazing. Technically great. Blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. To me, visuals without story is mostly wasted effort. Good acting without good characters is, it's nice. It's a nice perk, but but you got to have the characterization behind it. The actors can't do everything for you. I've never been somebody who was that wowed by just visuals, except I will say I do really like Greek and Roman war era visuals. The fact that I gave 300 Rise of an Empire a pretty high score, I think kind of shows that. Also, I can watch Immortals till kingdom comes. So you put some good looking dudes in like a leather diaper and some straps up their legs and maybe put a pretty lady in a togo with curly hair in the background looking all worried and have them do cool fight scenes. Yeah, yeah, I'll show up for that. I don't actually need that to be a great movie. But otherwise, I mostly, visuals alone will not do it for me. So this movie just did not do it for me. I didn't hate it. I didn't want it to stop. 
I just was very disappointed. As much as I was looking forward to this movie, it disappointed me a lot. And it felt like the things that were bad about it were super fixable. A lot of resources went into this movie. There was a lot of real life story they could have used that they just decided not to for whatever reason. So mostly I just feel really disappointed, but it wasn't a miserable experience, but I can't honestly necessarily recommend it. It was a movie that existed kind of for no reason. And as I was watching it, I felt myself thinking, why are you telling, what are you trying to accomplish here? What are you trying to tell me? Because the movie had no point and it didn't accomplish the uh, emotional investment that I think it thought it did. Apparently, I was looking some stuff after, looking some stuff up after it. And apparently the reason this Dunkirk episode is such a big deal for British people is because uh, the fact that the British civilians banded together and helped get the soldiers really was a big point of pride for the British people, you know. And I think the tagline of the previews even was, when they couldn't get home, home came for them. And the movie tried to show that, but did not accomplish it. Uh, you could see there was one scene where they, you know, they tried to, oh, oh, what's that? Oh, it's home when they see all the civilian ships coming for them. And that had a little bit of impact, but not as much as they thought. And if that was the point of the movie, they should have expanded on that a lot more. And I don't honestly know what the point of the movie was. It, the point of the movie was to go boom. So I would say as far as entertainment, I have to give it probably, I would say a two. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think, a, I think a two is fair. I was fine in theaters watching it besides wanting to hold my ears a little bit. I didn't hate it. I would have finished it if the, if the reel had cut off. I would have sought it out later to finish it up and see what happened. So, all right, let's total this up. I gave it Four for acting, four for visuals, one and a half for structure, and two for entertainment. That's 11 and a half, which, yeah, I mean, that's pretty high for a faint praise movie, but it's still not as high as I think a movie with 90 plus Rotten Tomatoes scores should get. And it's not a movie I'm going to want to see again. And it's honestly not a movie I would even recommend to somebody unless you just want to see things go boom. So I think that's all I'm going to say about Dunkirk. I actually envisioned this episode to be much shorter. I was thinking it was going to be 15 minutes. I didn't know how much I'd be able to talk on my own. Here we are, damn near 30 minutes. So I think for these FP extras, I'll probably try to make them a little bit shorter since, uh, since I don't know how much you guys want to hear me just talk on my own. But apparently... Apparently, I can talk forever about this stuff. So anyway, let me know what you thought. Faintpraisepodcast at gmail.com. I am going to try to do more of these on movies that I'm watching that are not episode proper material. Like I said earlier, I'm going to be I'm gonna be uh, getting some social media going, etc. So that you guys can hopefully interact with us on there. So thank you for listening. And next week, we should have an actual episode with me and Eric up. And the week after, probably be just me. And the week after that, we'll just take it as it comes. So hopefully you will join us next week.